0: If you're new here, I've got a free gift for you on how to scale your agency to multiple six and even seven figures and beyond by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself from the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is text the word FREEDOM to 720 792 8036. Again, that's 720 792 8036. Just text the word freedom and I'll send you the free gift on how to achieve freedom in your agency and life. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners? Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and today we're hanging out with Dan Englander. He is the CEO and founder of Sales Schema, a fractional new business team for marketing agencies and B2B service companies. And he hosts the Digital Agency Growth Podcast, not to be confused with The Digital Agency Show. He's the author of Relationship Sales at Scale and Mastering Account Management. Previously, Dan was the first employee head of new business at the animation studio Idea Rocket. He lives in New York and in his spare time enjoys hurting himself and maybe other people uh, (laughs) through Brazilian jujitsu. Welcome to the program, Dan. Thanks for
1: having me on. Appreciate it.
0: So one of the I mean, we, I, I've been on your show and I always love, you know, nerding at it on sales stuff. And I think our audience always appreciates some new new sales jujitsu, no uh, pun intended there. <laughs> talk to me about what you've been up to with Sales Schema. Like you guys do a lot of uh, outreach and, and sales appointment setting for agencies. So you're like in this every single day of what's working, what's yeah. not working for agencies. So talk to us a little bit about what uh, your approach to sales is.
1: Yeah, and to kind of frame that out and then give a little context, um, we started out, and I started out in previous lives doing the approach that I think most people are doing, which is the cold outreach thing. And we've always been told, you know, it's a numbers game. you just got to get stuff out there, build this funnel, contact these people, put you know enough case studies in front of these people, and be persistent enough, and then. They'll let you pitch them, and then you'll win a bunch of business. And I, I'm not saying that's not ever true. You know, it certainly, certainly can be. Timing is a big part of that game. But I think that what we saw happen is that over the course of time, and then you know, with with COVID and the world going digital, things shifted a lot more dramatically. That sort of approach became less effective because there's so many. Agencies out there are not just agencies. There's also lots of indirect competition. There's freelancers, there's tech products, there's just more competition for attention writ large. That, that sort of just painting by numbers thing does, doesn't work so well anymore. So. Um, at sales schema, you know we, we started out doing that cold outreach approach to get meetings for our clients who are typically agencies selling into you know mid midish to large companies uh, and then uh, ad- adapted something better kind of slowly over time that we call relationship sales at scale. and typically, you know we're working with a client, we're doing outreach on behalf of the person on their side who's in the sales seat. Um, but the difference is it's on one hand, when I say this, you know, people are like, it's this is a great. Yeah, this is exactly what I've been doing for years. The new part that is that is a little bit innovational, I like I like to think anyway, is being able to add scale to that element. So instead of going in cold, it's about identifying commonalities, identifying the people that are already likely to talk to our clients, if only they were to reach out and mention the, those things they have in common. So I'll pause there, but there's there's a lot more to dig into. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so finding stuff where people have in common, I mean, I, I guess that, you know, that idea of, of building a relationship with somebody through this outreach of finding kind of some common ground that you have with people. And I think that's, I, I mean, you know, people say, you know, well, sales come from relationships and so you got to build relationships, but I think your approach is you've got to be able to build relationships, but you got to do that at, at some kind of scale that's going to be effective for sales. Yeah, exactly, and I
1: think when when I say that, like, understandably, people are like skeptical. It's like, well, how many relationships can you actually keep, and you know what, what's meaningful and all these things. But but that's that's not um, to say that you're going to have a close relationship with everybody you ever reach out to. Of course, that that's crazy. But the, I, the way that that I think about it, and the way that I've to plug shamelessly plug this book I got coming out. You know, something that I've kind of written about there is. We, we sort of like think about things in terms of uh, our circles of influence, right? And if there's a Robin Dunbar, Dunbar's number is kind of made famous for that, where we have like, you know, a small group of five and then it roughly expands out by thirds. You might have 15 close friends. Uh, and then Dunbar's number itself, uh, you know, my understanding is refers to about 150 acquaintances. And our whole hypothesis or, or our experience, you know, here at Sales Scheme has been, has been that the layers keep expanding and you might have like 5,000 people or so that would be willing to take your call based on that commonality that you have. So our, our thinking is like instead of just going in cold to that CMO or whoever it is, right, that you've identified as like the perfect prospect but you have no connection to this person at all and just hoping to win their very precious time with yet another case study. Uh what if you were to start with the people that you have you have some strong commonality with? And for our clients this means sometimes we're doing Friends of friends campaigns, there's a lot more moving parts to that, but in a nutshell, that's what it is. Other times we might be looking at a common connection like an expat background or college background or geographic or experience working at the same accounts, you know, all those sorts of things. So even if nobody ever hires us, um, I, I think that that's a good, a better way to think about it for this day and age is a level of personalization that where you can get personalized enough, but not so much that you're not actually holding up the scale element. So I'll, I'll pause there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So this idea that there's like this 5,000 person kind of ecosystem that might be more willing than a total cold contact because there's some type of commonality. So does that mean like I'm emailing you and being like, Hey brother, we went to see you at the same decade. What's up, man?
1: yeah it maybe. and we've yeah. literally done that, and it works much better than saying, Hey, I saw this cool thing that you tweeted last week about influencer marketing. You know so s- strong commonalities like that do do uh go a lot further and are a lot more timeless but but no, it doesn't necessarily have to be something cheesy like a college connection, although that that could work. um another thing that, that we do a lot of and that i've've written about in the book is, Finding um, account connections, you know. So, what if you were to say, okay, you've you have all like oh, to back up a little bit. One of the most common ways that our clients win business when we ask them, is they say, well, our clients uh, our clients take us with them. So, like, yeah, we were friends with the CMO. He jumped ship to this other company, and then he brought us with them. So, what if you were to identify people that used to work in an account that you used to work that you've done a lot of business with, and then you said, hey, I saw you used to work at Coca Cola. Now uh, it looks like you're doing really great work at Pepsi. Let's let's you know find a way to connect. I think it makes, or rather, I think it makes sense for us to connect. We're doing these things. The, the, I think regardless of how you do it, there's a million tactics. The tactics are always changing. The main thing that I think is, is timeless is the is the philosophy, and, and that's uh, the philosophy of de risking a conversation by way of like a strong commonality or, or relationship. And that that's kind of how how we think about it. And, and, and in this book coming out, there's all sorts of tactics and stuff. For how you yeah. run with it, yeah.
0: And I definitely want to make sure we we spend some time talking about your 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 soon to be released or released book. We'll see when this episode yeah, airs. I but, don't want to shamelessly plug uh, it too much, so I don't mean to, <laughs> I don't mean to steer things just towards the book. But. No, it's it's all good. We'll talk about the book, man. I I want your book to be a huge a huge success. More more people need to. There you can never read too much too many sales books, right? Like I feel like. If you're reading a sales book, it means sales is top of mind. So you're thinking about growing revenue for your business. And that's that's a win, I think, for anybody. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to let you know about a hosting platform that is giving digital agencies and creators around the world an edge when it comes to site speed, scalability, and profit. It's called Cloudways, and it's designed to create exceptional experiences for you and your clients that guarantees unmatched performance, reliability, and choice with 24-7 award-winning support. Cloudways is excited to offer our listeners a $50 hosting credit in addition to their amazing benefits of their agency partner program. For more details, head over to com slash cloudways or use promo code DASCW when signing up. Let's get back to our show. One I like that account connections point because sometimes I feel like it's easy when we make a list of past clients or we're like trying to dig for opportunity. In our business. And I know this was something we used to do a lot was, you know, like, you know, a week before payroll was due, my partner would always come in my office. He'd be like, Hey, <laughs> like we're, we're 10 grand short or whatever. And I'd be like, all right, gotta go find, gotta go find $10,000 like in the couch. Right. And so I would always, you know, call on past clients and, and I would, you know, build a list. I'd build a list of like everybody that we'd ever, you know, worked with in terms of an account, but maybe not always separating out, the people and the relationships that you had, because I and I love the idea of separating that out and thinking not just about like oh I worked with you know Coca Cola or whatever I worked with Dish Network, but like actually itemizing out like who were all the individuals that we came into contact at that account and where are they now? I mean, because when we worked with like Adobe or Dish Network or or you know uh, uh, Breckenridge Brewery that got gobbled up by but uh, you know uh, Anheuser Busch and then inBev and and like all of a sudden there was like these huge conglomerates that we were like on all these email chains and stuff like that with that one account we might have had you know 15 or 20 people that probably didn't all stay there forever right and I, and I never I never did that I never I never broke it down to the actual individual level
1: yeah and I think that that, that that's a really good point point. and I think that a lot of the times what what like what we're moving towards in terms of a sales process is one where like a lot more of the work is front loaded and it it's it's uh you know, it's less about the super automated machine thing, and more about like a system and a process whereby, like, you're front loading that work of like enriching that data and building that list, so that maybe like you're contacting 50 people a day instead of like 500 people a day, you know, something like that. Um, and that that I think because to, to, that's super tactical and boring. I think the the more interesting thing is like I think we're moving towards a place. And I'm not the one to observe this. I've heard this from a lot of people, but you know we're moving to a place where trust is really the scarce resource. It's not really information about what you do or about the differentiators or you know all these bells and whistles. That stuff does matter, but it matters deeper in the funnel, right? And the the harder thing is like getting over that chasm of. Getting somebody to agree to like give you time and actually like appreciate those things that you do differently, you know? So I think that we've heard a lot of, you know, hey, these decision makers need XYZ touch points or need to read this many articles before they agree to talk. Whether or not that's that's true, I don't. I think the thing that's taken for granted is like those people don't enjoy that process. You know, they've got to make so many decisions so so fast, and the research isn't easy or fun. That it's not like they're allergic to talking to a salesperson. It's just they have no way to differentiate you based on the other 500 people that are saying, "Hey, we're an agency," or "Hey, we're selling this thing," uh, in their inbox right now. So. Sometimes the stuff that's more timeless and that's more that shows more of a of like this tribal connection for better or worse tribe can have very negative or very positive uh, connotations uh, can can work a lot better at least in our, in our experience.
0: So these commonalities, I'm assuming this is just showing up in the message text requires a little bit of research, a little bit of gumshoeing to figure out. I mean, are you, are you identifying? traits or, or, or things that I've experienced as a person or as an agency, and then going out from there and finding people? Or are we finding people and then searching through and figuring out, do I have something in common with this person? Yeah, that's a really good question. So for most of our clients, not all of them, but probably about 80%, we're, we're doing it from like an
1: account-based foundation. right? So that's, I think, one of the easier ways to organize things. And a lot of the times, you know, we're, we'll talk to clients, and they'll say, "Hey, we can work with almost anybody. who work with this vertical or that vertical. We're like, okay, no, that's and, and you're the you're the king of this. You know, you you get, get rich at the deep end, like. The idea of the of the focus of a niche and clarity goes goes so much further. But even if you're not to the point of niching to just like one vertical or, or whatever, being able to actually figure out which accounts are a good fit and then like handpick them, we help our clients with this too. You know, we make a list and we collaborate on it. But however you do it, starting from there is a, is a, is like step one. Is like building that that total account list. Maybe you're not figuring out your total addressable market at once. Maybe it's like you're finding a batch of 2000 you know whatever you can do that's great and now it's it's next about identifying not just that perfect title in those companies you know not just the the C level people or whatever you want to reach but the people that share that that commonality with you um what, so the question is okay what commonality do i start with and the the it's it's a blank slate there's so many things that you can pick but our whole philosophy is pick the ones that are just sort of emotionally more resonant and the ones that build trust, right? So to, to keep going on, you know, with different things we've done. A lot of times our clients are going to trade shows and uh events, and that's like a huge source of new business. So if if you can identify, you know, past exhibitors or other people that have gone to the same trade show, you can reference that. That that's a you know, it's a stronger connection that shows somebody that you're reaching out to that, hey, I'll probably I'm probably gonna encounter this person again in some in some walk of life, um, others, yeah, the account-based approach. Even this one sounds simple, but even just geographic, even you know, this might not work as well in a New Yorker or in LA, but in lots of places, just being able to say I'm in your backyard shows, shows like a it, it, that that's the sort of thing that's timeless and harder to ignore. It doesn't mean everyone's going to want to talk, but they're at least not going to be mad at your message. And people being mad at your message actually has lots of hidden and not so hidden costs these days, right? Because the algorithms learn that because those people are going to manually delete or press spam, so Google figures it out. Microsoft, uh, to a lesser extent, figures it out, uh, and, and, and onwards from there. Um, and also, you know, people get annoyed; it causes brand damage potentially. Um, I, I think that one sacred cow that I'm trying to kill in this book is this idea of of over automated persistence, right? Um, and I'm not like beating anybody up. We were just as guilty as anybody else at this. And I'm not saying it never works either. But I think the idea of like, okay, this person didn't respond. So I'm gonna follow up two days later and then four days later and then seven days later. It, it just, I mean, if you think about somebody doing that to you, most of the time you think, well, this I wasn't interested the first time, so why am <laughs> I now? Uh, so I'm not saying follow-ups, the person's gone if they don't respond. Like follow-ups do matter, but you want to be more like intentional about them and maybe do it two weeks later, 30 days later, maybe things have changed at that point. So those are, I'm all over the place, but uh, hopefully that's helpful in some way. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously tools have played a big part in that. I mean, we've used, I mean, you know, even for our business or even our clients, right? I mean, we've used a lot of tools to, to try to speed up or automate uh, some of that stuff. And I feel like some of them do work, but you know, we've definitely spent, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars on companies coming in to help us build like AI generated, you know, conversation flows and this and that. And like, you know, it's, um, I, I have yet to see great results with that kind of stuff. You know, I always find that they have like one or two fantastic case studies. And it's like, and then like, you're like, they're like, well, yeah, but we got to give it three months to see if it works for you and it might not work for you. Right. And then it's like, well, cool. It didn't work for me, but you got, you got like five grand from me anyways. Right. Yeah. But like, I mean, is that, I feel like so many people are are bullish on chatbots and all the AI content and AI like things. And, you know, I, I love to hear that you're, you know, in, in your book that you're going kind of in saying, look, there's like that over automated persistence and maybe some of those types of tools are counterproductive to this scarce resource that you mentioned earlier of trust. Like... If yeah. it becomes clear that somebody's like part of a, part of a system, you know that it it all of a sudden makes them feel like, wait a minute, this is it. they didn't just reach out to me; they reached out to you know five thousand me's, right? There is that
1: the the sort of intentionality of it, and, and the other thing, which is kind of a meta point, which I actually don't don't cover in the book as much, but I just thought of it now, is that I think a lot of the times what we see in the sales world is people take the right lessons from the wrong people or rather it's like they're taking a good lesson, but it's not like the lesson for them. And I think a lot of the times like the over automation thing comes from markets where the total addressable market is massive, right? So somebody that's selling to, you know, I don't know, uh, plumbers or lawyers where there's like millions and millions of, of potential companies they can work with is like a different process than if you're an agency selling to, let's say uh e-commerce brands at 20 million to 100 million in the US right now that's not a small market but it's it's you know it's it's uh it's not massive either like you can actually get to know like a pretty good chunk of that so if you if your total addressable market's like relatively small let's say then the personalization element now makes a lot more sense than the automation element in my, experience, in, my in my opinion and that's not to say you're handwriting every letter but you're at least like front-loading the data work and figuring out like, okay, who are the people that I actually have a connection with and yada, 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 all the stuff I was talking about. Yeah.
0: What would be, I mean, I get, I, 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 uh, you know, I use some filtering tools and stuff like that, that help with this. But I also, you know, I write a lot of email copy and, and um, write sales outreach emails and, and also coach our, our, our sales team and our, appointments center team on this type of stuff I mean you know so I'm always interested to see what people write and, yeah and I I get these emails right some of them are like long like oh, they sent me like a textbook right some of them are short some of them use things like I'll be in your area on Tuesday. Would you like to have yeah. some co- you know have coffee? Right. Like, why are you in Castle Rock, Colorado? Like, that's weird. That's so like. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't actually be here, right? You, I'm, not... I'm outside your door right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, what's you know, not to. And I, I I I would love to get either some frameworks or tips around message copy because there's probably people yeah. out there right now. that are like, oh wow, like I never thought about finding people with commonality it's like how do i introduce myself in that way so that maybe i'm giving somebody that trust signal that there is a commonality that maybe there is there's a reason for them to to take a look at this email versus all the other ones that that get sent to my inbox yeah, that's a great question. Um, first, I'm going to give a, a bunch of annoying disclaimers
1: about art and science, and then I'll actually get to some like fun hacks and answer your question. I think the first thing is like, you know, yeah, we're we're kind of blending into this like art thing, and there can be a million different ways to to get it to get it right or get it wrong. Right? I think I think the opposite. Opposite of a good idea can be another good idea. There's short messages that can work really well. There's long ones that can work really well. I think the main, the main key thing is like front loading that personalization. You know, so if you are doing the work of personalizing, obviously somebody should be able to like see that even from the preview of the message, you know? And 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 so on from there. I, I think the the biggest thing, and you know, everybody has different writing styles. And I think you can make the style match you. Is that the goal is simply de-risking that conversation? I think if there's one mistake that people make in writing outreach, it's that they're trying to make the outreach do too much, right? And this, and, and it's funny because like we work with marketers and they get this intuitively, like when they're doing inbound marketing, right? Like if you have a landing page, you only want somebody to take one action on that landing page. You're not looking for them to take like the fifth action down the line. You're looking for them to just take one with with a cold outreach email. While the tenor of it is going to be completely different than marketing copy, you're really only wanting somebody to respond and agree to a call most most of the time. There's exceptions where you might ask somebody like for, for a certain piece of information. Um, so that that's the first thing. I think the other thing is like just thinking about little little touches, like even if you know you're writing this yourself or you're automating it, saying something like, Hope, you know, hope your Tuesday is going well, like something that indicates like almost like a proof of life in a you know, like like a hostage <laughs> negotiation, like hey, this is maybe not fake. I'm writing to you on a Tuesday, right? And there's there's tools to automate that, referencing the personalization. <laughs>
0: so yeah. you're like, I'm writing this on Tuesday, yeah. but actually there's a tool that does that, so I'm not actually writing it on Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> totally. But all these things add up, right? And and the other thing is like, okay,
1: some of this is is spoofing, right? And you're you're trying to create that effect. I get that. But at the same time, like if you're getting this to the right level of personalization, you've actually handcrafted a list of fifty people a day. You've actually like glanced at them. Like in a lot of ways, I think this is much more genuine than nine out of ten other things you can do and is actually pretty honest, even if it's like, you have a system for this. You at least have have your hand on the pulse, a finger on the pulse of who you're reaching out to. So you know, I, I like it for that reason compared to lots of other things. Um, and beyond that, I, I think the tone the tone can go lots of different ways, but subtlety works really well. You know, um, there's the, that usual second paragraph where you're talking about your services, being specific so people understand what you do. You know, name dropping without over name dropping. You know, usually not talking about ROI or that sort of thing. Cause because here's what's going on is like this prospect has another whatever gazillion other pitches from companies that may or may not be like yours, but in their mind they're like yours because they're like doing a million things. They don't really understand what's going on. So their their whole like you know, it's a very binary choice that we all make. It's like, am I gonna spend 30 minutes with this person or am I am I not? Right. So their their whole thing is like is am i going to get sucked into a pitch that's going to waste my time am i am i going to like get pulled into doing something that's not going to be a good use of my time right so in that situation you kind of want to indicate that there's another option beyond walking into a sales pitch right because because like before the binary is like i'm going to get pitched or i'm going to ignore this person or tell them to go away right but if there's a third middle option which is like i'm going to get on this call and it's going to be useful then that's, that's what you want to indicate. But if you just say, Hey, I'm going to make this useful. I'm not going to pitch you. If you just say those words, people are going to think that they're going to get pitched. So it's it's kind of this fine line. I'm not sure how helpful that was. But
0: <laughs> Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to tell you about one of my favorite white label partners, E2M. They can help with all your website design, web development, SEO, and content needs for your client projects. This includes WordPress, WooCommerce, Shopify, BigCommerce, Webflow, Duda, SiteGlide, custom PHP applications and much more. Have peace of mind when it comes to your outsourcing needs. Let E2M become an extension of your team so you can grow and scale how you want. Check them out today at e2msolutions.com. That's e the number 2 m solutions.com. All right, back to our show. Well, I I I like the I mean there's there's a lot of different um I feel like, more higher-level thinking around this than just like, oh, write this message, right? Uh, I, I mean, can you expand a little bit on de-risk the convo? Because you've, you've used that term de-risk a couple times. What do you mean by de-risk?
1: Yeah, it, it, it's basically indicating that the person is is kind of like of the same ilk. And I don't mean that from like a social or like, you know, financial or like something snob, snobby like that. I mean, like... You're speaking the same language with them, and 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 the connection's going to be useful to them, and sort of indicating that, right? So, a lot of the times, like one of the most common campaigns we do is called relationship mapping. So we're we're able to reach out to people, and we say, "Hey, you know, I know we we know Bob Smith. I'm really good friends with him. I saw we have a bunch of other people in common, and then sometimes we're we're further stacking up those commonalities. Also, I saw we're in Denver. That's pretty cool. Um, I, you know, we've done a lot of work in your space. We've worked with companies like these." You know, I think I think it would be purposeful to connect. Are you open to a call? So th- that that's not the only way to de-risk a conversation. But the thing we're tra- a lot of this is about sub-communication. It's not what you're communicating overtly, but the things that you're sort of indicating through sub-communication. Um, I know this is a, a cliche thing to say because people always compare sales and dating, but it's a little like that, right? Like <laughs> when you go on a date, you're not bra- if you're bragging overtly, you're probably going to turn off the the person you're on the date with, right? So a lot of it's it's kind of like that. And just sort of sub-communicating the idea that a 30-minute call is not going to be a waste of time. One of those things is mentioning clients you've worked with without you know beating somebody over the head with it, without saying like, look at these amazing results that we've gotten. That stuff matters. It just doesn't matter at the top of the funnel. It matters a little bit later. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and I like that focus on getting somebody to respond. But you're also saying, and agree to a call. So your, your initial message to them is crafted in a way where it's the intent is clear, like we should get on a call. I think this would be a value. Yeah, exactly. And, and as you get used to this process, like you can make the copy say anything. Like if,
1: if you only want to talk to people when they're ready to buy, you can of course make the copy say that. But that isn't going to be that 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 effective because then you're only going to get the very, very small percentage of people that you hit at just the right time and so on. And back to what I was saying earlier, I think that the sort of strategies that are geared towards just getting the sales pitch work when you can play this like mass numbers game thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then you then it, then it does pay off to get the small percentage of people ready to go right now. And I'm not saying that there isn't a numbers game with this approach too. The numbers are just smaller, right? And that's where just opening up the relationship is more important than than anything else. So then that way, you know, you and then once you have a, a conversation with somebody, the, the equation completely changes. At that point, you know, getting them back on the phone again later when they might have a need or re-engaging them, it becomes a lot easier. And that's where you really don't want to over-automate. But that that but that becomes a completely different situation. Than going in, you know lukewarm or cold,
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, Dan, I love all this stuff, man. I feel like I could I could spend the rest of uh, the afternoon nerding out on on some some sales and uh, some outreach tactics. I feel like outreach, whether it's for clients or you know media or strategic partnerships or you know co marketing or whatever, uh, is is a huge part of growing any business and and developing. Your network, so whether it's actually for prospects or partners or, or whatever, um, I feel like this stuff is. Is I'm, I'm hoping our listeners have taken some notes and uh, are either implementing this, or better yet, they're just uh, pre-ordering relationships at scale, and they're gonna they're gonna master your process uh, through your upcoming book. Yeah, th- thank you so much, Brent. Hopefully, I've been uh,
1: tangible and actionable enough. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the, the book should be out very soon. If it's not out already, when people are hearing this.
0: Dan, are you uh, able to stick around for some lightning round questions? Yeah, man, let's do it. What is the best advice you've ever received?
1: Yeah, um, the best advice I've ever received, I think. I, I think it's 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 sort of uh, it's business advice, and it seems more timely for me recently. But I think it's um, just putting way more attention towards hiring and, and training, you know, more than anything else. Is what's on my mind lately. Sorry I didn't come up with a better, a better piece of advice ready for you. Uh, but that's that's the sort of thing where I think like earlier on in the business, I skimped on and now I'm, you know, learning and kind of like taking in everything I can about hiring and training because it just matters so much more than almost anything else.
0: <laughs> Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Um Honestly, I, I think uh,
1: just fitness, like staying in shape, has helped a lot. Um, you know, it's been very cathartic for me. It's been it's been grappling and having to go fight people and do these jujitsu tournaments that I've, I've done middling success at because it's it's harder and scarier than anything in, in the business for me. So <laughs>
0: that's that's helped me a lot. Yeah. Can you share an internet resource, a tool or app that you use regularly that you think our listeners would find valuable? Yeah. Um, I can talk about our tech stack
1: a little bit. I think that, you know, ultimately, if you have something that's working, oftentimes that's better than the task switching costs. But for us, uh, we, we, we like Streak a lot as a CRM because it lives in Gmail. And I think a lot of the times, things get broken because of the data migration. So there's pros and cons to it. But we we like that a lot. I think this is all stuff that people know. I'm not as cool with the tech stuff as, as others, um, which, is, which sounds hypocritical. But, more, you know, more of a, of a of a copy guy, but I think uh, Loom. You know, Loom's really great. You're like, yeah, everyone knows that, Dan. Uh, uh, what else, man? Uh, there's something off the top of my head, but I'm, I'm blanking on it. Have you heard of G Suite? And <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then also, like, new, new to me, probably not new to others, is just um, uh, like like Knock and these sort of. Uh, Low code. You know, I'm starting to kind of dip my toe in the water with that stuff. And it's it's pretty pretty fun. It's just kind of like learning it for the first time.
0: So I'm enjoying that. Awesome. And what book would you recommend besides your own and why? Yeah, if if I don't mind kind of dropping a couple. I think the first
1: is sure. that I've really enjoyed recently is The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. <laughs> Which covers a lot, a, a lot of different things. There's a lot of like fun anecdotes. Definitely recommend the audible, audible version because him reading it's great. But I, I think that uh, it's kind of been an interesting counterpoint to like E Myth Revisited and the idea of like getting out of the business. Because this whole thing is like, to me, and I'm, this is my like paraphrase: is like there's good news and bad news. The good news is that you know you you can and should get out of like the grunt work and the day to day. The bad news is, like as CEO, you have a job to do, and don't fool anyone about it. So, th- th- there's just so much, so much more in that book, though. So, I really enjoyed it. The third to kind of get into like fiction is the third, the Three Body Problem series. It's been a lot of fun. It's you know deals with like physics and aliens and stuff. But anyway, I just finished the third one. That was a beast to get through, but it was fun.
0: That that book actually was I I had never heard of it. It was recommended by another guest on this show, and I'm just like blown away that that is the second recommend. It's a, it's a very random the uh, three uh, body type or, of book or, or the, the three body him. problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: it's it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, that that's uh, that makes two, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to add that to my reading list. So I appreciate the suggestion there. <laughs> the road less stupid. The three body problem. And, uh, you know, if you are reading The Road Less Stupid, it sounds like maybe even touching base with emith Revisited to get that contrast might be of interest as well. Yeah. Uh, so thanks for those suggestions. Dan, you can check those out at our show notes page. We'll link out to those uh, those books to make it nice and easy for you to find them on Amazon. Go to yougurus.com forward slash podcast. We'll also have links out to Streak, Loom, uh, Knock. We'll throw a link down there to G Suite. <laughs> Seeing some people do some amazing things lately with uh, Google Sheets, yeah. I gotta, I gotta say, no, man, don't actually do that. Keep... <laughs>
1: this guy's like doing twenty years ago or something. <laughs>
0: you, you know what? I, I, it, it's interesting because I keep signing up for like you know, or you know, I'm like oh, I need to like create a Trello board for this or use the Airtable, and then like over time, I'm always like, why don't we just make this as a Google Sheet? Because yeah. like, there's just like you know, it's like, it'd be easier. I can share with people. Nobody has to have user accounts. I could just there. And so I feel like all roads always end up leading back to a spreadsheet. Um, yeah. For me, at least. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, or
1: just, or, 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 yeah, it's almost like, I know that there's people killing it that have like ridiculously successful businesses that are just doing this in a worse way on paper or something, you know, and faxing things like, you know, that person exists. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I go back and forth. on You know what?
0: <laughs> in, in our, in our high accessibility uh, or a hi- highly accessible society, man. Maybe, maybe if you ran your business on fax, you'd be like a, the clearest thinker on the planet, yeah. right? Because people are like, I gotta to, to to send this guy a message, I gotta fax him, right? Like you you wouldn't get very many messages. You'd have lots of time to think, right? Yeah. But maybe exactly. you wouldn't have any clients either. You probably either. get hacked less too. So. <laughs> <laughs> they they hacked your fax machine. Right. Uh anyways, we will link out to all this stuff at UGarus.com/slash podcast. Dan, how can folks find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the book uh, comes out June 13th, and that's Relationship Sales at Scale. And there's, if you want to get a link direct to that, if you're listening, it's just saleschema.com slash RSS or R-S-A-S. Um, and hopefully that's that's enjoyable and useful.
0: <laughs> Very cool. Well, we will link out to uh, sales saleschema.com slash R-S-A-S. Uh, as well as uh, just directly to that Amazon yeah. book page to either pre-order or if you're listening to this after it's out, make sure you go pick up Relationships, the Relationship Sales at Scale. And uh, we'll link out to that at com forward slash podcast. Dan, thanks so much for stopping by the program today. Really, thank you so much. Appreciate it. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want this free gift all about how to scale to six and seven figures and beyond in your agency, just text the word FREEDOM to 720-792-8036. That's the word freedom to 720-792-8036. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver.